Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. When we reflect on our lives, for many of us, we're probably wondering, what did God see in us? Are we even really worthy to be saved? But God said we were. The creator of the universe knows our name. And he says, you are my child and I will die for you. What amazing grace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. As we come to worship, let us stay in his amazing grace. The scripture goes, oh, real quick, uh, the men's Bible study today at five, uh, just like the Lord texts that to me and uh, tell me that, that we're going to have that at five today. Uh, we'll finish up discipleship today. Uh, our scripture lesson comes out of Matthew chapter 17, verses one through nine. Uh, Matthew chapter 17, verses one through nine on that real quick. As you turn there in your Bibles... Uh, This Wednesday is Ash Wednesday. Not every church or every denomination practices Ash Wednesday. It's not something you're going to find in the Bible. It's uh, something that the early church fathers actually established around the the creeds, the apostle creeds and stuff, around the 400 to 500 A.D. If you look at the liturgical calendar, there's a couple bookends on it. One of them is Lent and Easter. The other is Advent and Christmas. And they have a meaning for us. Both of them are time of self-reflection. It's a time of self-reflection. Uh, how is your relationship with God? How is your relationship with God? Now, you've got to understand, at this time in the theology of the world, in the Wesleyan tradition, uh, you could slip out of salvation. Uh, and, and there's a whole theory on that. We'll talk about that. We can discuss that later one day. And so uh, when Je- they, they really believe when Jesus said, pick up your cross, follow me daily, that's what you did. Uh, and so every minute, every moment, every second of your life was wrapped around uh, this relationship with God. Uh, somehow we've lost a lot of that meaning in our church. But so in the, in the churches like the Methodists, the Lutherans, the Catholics, the Episcopal churches, if you will, we still practice this tradition of Lent. Uh, and I'd encourage you to invite friends. And, and the, the liturgy is, from dust 
you were formed, from dust you will return. You get a cross on your head during that time frame. And really one of the things is to really look at it is we are no better than anyone else. You, no matter how much of a degree you have or how little of a degree you have, no matter how much money you have, how successful you were in the world or how unsuccessful you were in the world, we all come to the throne of grace on the same playing field. When you die or the rapture happens, one or the other, whatever happens, all the earthly possessions and things no longer matter. What matters is, did you live a life for God? Cut and dry. That is what's going to stand with you at the throne before the, on Judgment Day. And so the Lent season is a time of self-reflection. A self-reflection on, is my life right with God? Is my light right with God? And, and that's will be a kind of our Lent theme uh, uh, this year. And so this week, uh, for the beginning of the start of Lent, is the Transfiguration Sunday. This is the Sunday, and I'll, I'll read the literature in a minute, where, where they go up into the mountain with Jesus. Jesus transformed. They meet Moses and Elijah. And, and so we get to see a glimpse into the future. So let me read this and we'll move on. Uh, Matthew chapter 17, verse 1. Now, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up to the high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun. His clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared, appeared to them, taking with him, or uh, talking with him. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, is it good for us to be here? If you wish, let us make let us make here three tabernacles. For one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. But Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and do not be afraid. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And now they came down from the mountain. Jesus commanded them, tell, tell, the, tell the vision to no one until the Son of Man is risen from the dead. This is the word of God for the people of God. And this little passage has so much theology that we could preach on it for about two hours. We could, we could just run right into the 11 o'clock service, but we won't. Uh, we'll, we'll kind of break it down. One of the things you've got to ask yourself, Peter, John, we see this quite a bit with uh, Jesus. He takes Peter, James, and John with him in a couple different places. He takes them with him in, in a couple different places. Why? Why did he pick these three? Peter is the one, uh, of course, Jesus is the cornerstone of the church, but Jesus gives Peter the keys to the kingdom. You're going to get a sermon on that in, uh, in March about who, who holds the keys to what. Uh, so G Peter is recognized in our scholarly, in our history, as the beginning of the church, uh, that Jesus used him to found the church. 
James, we get the book of James. James was become what we would call later, and I don't think it was actually a title at that time, a bishop. He ran the churches in Jerusalem. James was known as being the most prayerful man uh, around that where he would get on his knees. They said he, his knees were the size of camel's knees, big old knotty knees because he prayed so much. When the Romans were coming to take the church in Jerusalem, most of the people of the church fled, and, and, and James tell, told them to flee. When they found James to kill him, he was at, his, at the altar on his knees. So James was the prayer warrior, kind of ran the churches in Jerusalem. John, John is the one, we get the Gospel of John, we get John chapters, or John, the books of John 1, 2, and 3. John, the revelator. He uses John later in life to write the book of Revelation. And so here we go. We see that Peter, we see that Jesus is grooming these three people for future events that would affect the world today. Those, those three are going to, they're going to have the major impact on the world in which we live in. And the church in which we come to today is affected by those three uh, and others, but those three go, goes along there. And so my question, my first question to you today is, you're going to get a couple questions. Is God using you today for something in the future? Is God preparing you for something that's bigger than you in the future? You might sit there and say, man, I'm going through a tough time. Uh, you know, wh- whatever the tough time is, it could be marriage, it could be finances, it could be health, it could be a lot of things. It could be a lot of things. But the question really comes down to is, in the midst of this trial that you're in, are you praising God? In the midst of whatever that trial comes up, and if you haven't been through a trial yet, trust me, it's coming. If you haven't been... <coughs> For us married people that's been married a long time, if you haven't had the days where you thought about, you know what, if the bus just ran over my spouse, I mean, just well, if you haven't been to these things with your know, trials with your children and everything else, those days are coming. Those days are coming. It's just life. It's just reality of life. And, and so we got to ask ourselves, why? And the question a lot of times is, God is preparing you for a future event. Oswald Chambers, my most highest. And, and when I first read this, I was, real, I was a youth pastor at Bemis, but I guess I, was, I wasn't mature enough in my faith. It had a, a comment in there that said, uh, what you're, the trial you're going through today, and, and the funny thing was, back up, Tammy has a son who's probably almost 30 now. He's 20-something. And, and so I got this stepson that at that time, he was about 9 or 10, and we were really clashing with each other really clashing with each other. I mean, it was, it was stressful in the marriage and everything else. And so I'm, re- I'm at my desk at Bemis United Methodist Church. I'm reading this devotion. Somebody gave me this devotional book uh, from Oswald Chambers. And so I'm reading this book, and it says, the trial you're going through today is not for you, but for somebody else. Live it so you can teach it later. God, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go through misery so I can help somebody else. And I put it away. I put it all away. And I was just like, I can walk away from the church. But God had led me. And you know who I get people that come to me a lot? I don't get the drug addicts or the, the people at AA or, the, or uh, alcoholics and, and those things or, or drug addicts and things like that. Uh, those people go, you know, people come to me. It seems like the people that are drawn to Tammy and me, blended families. 
Blended families, families that have been, you know, they've had kids from somewhere else to divorce and they're coming together and they're struggling. And they're struggling. Because God has already sent us through that fire. And since we've been through that fire, man, I can tell you, give me a guy that's struggling with a, with a stepchild, I can help you. I can help you. Uh, or, or, or a wife that has children and the, the new husband is, is just causing difficulty, Tammy can help you. Because that's the, that's the trial we've been through. That's the ditch, as I shared with somebody else, that's the ditch that I have lived in and been in and had to be pulled out by somebody else. So I can deal with that. I know how to deal with that. I've never been an alcoholic or I've never been addicted to drugs or anything, at least not yet. Y'all are working me on that one. But that's besides, that's a whole other sermon. Uh, but, but so on that... But I have friends that have been addicted to cocaine and other things. And you know people, they can help. It's people that's been addicted to cocaine, to alcohol. Whatever you're going through, God is using you to help the next generation. So don't, don't get faint heart. Don't get upset. Just continue to praise God. Just continue to praise God. The next point is to come up on this. This is another neat point to bring up real quick. Got to check my time for points here. My clock, my clock don't work in the back, so we might be here at 11 o'clock. Uh, but my next point is we get to see the future. Jesus is transformed into the future Jesus, into the glorified, when he, when he back to his glorification. When we read Revelation, remember John? He writes about what Jesus looks like in Revelation. Here it is in Matthew. This is the future. It was really interesting. Moses and Elijah comes back. Moses dies. We know that Moses dies. We knew where Moses' bones were, where his grave was. Elijah was taken away. Rest assured that when your earthly days are over, you're not really dead. Your body, sure, we're going to put it in the ground. They put Moses in the ground. Jude talks about that later on. But yet, your soul, your mind, your soul, your mind, spirit, all that which makes you up, what makes you move, what makes you tick, continues to live in the presence of God. There is assurance, amazing grace that God loved you so much that he's not going to let you die. Yeah, we're going to physically die. It's appointed for man once, all man to die once. Unless the rapture or something happens. But here's the assurance that we have. Moses, we see a Moses alive and well and able to talk. He knows what's going on. He raised Moses from the dead to be there. That is our future life, people. No, not only are you being trained for something here in this world, but you're also through worship, through experience, and the things you're going through today will affect the life to come after this life. So rest assured in knowing that. God is giving us a glimpse into the future. Uh, Paul writes about this several times. But I, the passage I picked was 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. We, but we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from the glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Our life is supposed to be a life where we're being transformed into Jesus. We're being transformed so when we, when we leave this world and go to the next, it'll be just a little bit easier. Last two passages I want to bring up, I won't read them real quick. But Lent, the importance of Lent. And you go back to the old traditional church, back to the 300s, 400s, 500s, all the way, all the way up to the early 1900s. And the, the theology, 
Matthew chapter, and just write these down, read them later. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. It says, the way into heaven is narrow, it is hard. The gate into heaven is narrow and hard. And not all make it. Chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 15 through 20. It says, they will know us by our fruits. Those that are making it on the narrow road that are working hard, we will see them and we will know them because of the fruit of the ministry in which they have. People will be attracted to them. The things will be going on with them. They'll be workers and servers of God. And, and, and they won't be worried about money or anything else, but they'll be workers and servers of God. And that's what they're, they will know them by their fruit. And God will know them. We may not recognize them by their fruit. We may think they're crazy, but God will know them. And God will say, well done, and my faithful servant one day. And the last one is Chapter 7, verse 21 through 30, 23, Jesus sits there and says to the people, and this is one really to read, uh, he says, uh, Lord, Lord. Uh, he goes, not everybody that says Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven. And the, and the argument there is, real quick, the people sit there and say, but Lord, we prophesied in your name. We did this in your name. We did that in your name. We've done all those great things in your name. And Jesus says, I don't know who you are. Get away from me. It's possible to come to church. It's possible to put money in the offering plate. It's possible to do the work of the Lord and never have a relationship with Jesus. It is possible. And on the day of judgment, Jesus will say, get away from me. You're not getting into heaven with your good works. You're getting into heaven with your relationship with Jesus. Lent is a time for us to examine our relationship. It's a time for examining. This might be a time for the, new, the, the music crowd to get back up there. Uh, but so, so in this 40 days, as we prepare our heart for Lent, I'm going to do something with the 40 days. Uh, you'll hear more about it on Wednesday as they get up there. Let me just make another announcement. I'm going to do an intercessory prayer time at... I think it's going to be 11 to 12. It'll be in that time frame, 11, probably a half hour. And then we're going to, because now we've got people, now we've got people working that want to come. So at 7 o'clock, because we've got the choir practicing until 7. At 7 o'clock, probably a 30 minute quiet prayer time in, the, in, the cha- in here. It'll be open to everybody. It'll be open to everybody. Just the time to stop. And, and, and if you don't have no other place, no other place, we have, we're going to create a time for you to come in to be in the presence of God. And that'll unfold, and I'll probably need, I might have to have knee surgery, so I might need somebody to help run that there uh, real quick. So with that, as we keep closing this last song, start the process of praying, Lord, give me that assurance. Show me the way. Show me the way. Show me my faults. Show me what I need to give up to become closer to you. Let us sing.
Where are you putting your trust? Are you building it on the foundation of the love of God? Or are you building it upon the foundation of good works, good things, great things? Only those who build upon the foundation of Jesus Christ will enter the kingdom of heaven. Dear Lord, our Heavenly Father, examine us this week, these 40 days, Lord, examine us. None of us are perfect. All of us are in the saving grace. But make sure that we are living a life that is making us transformed to be more and more like you. Lord, walk before us, walk behind us. Let your Holy Spirit continue to cover us as we go to Sunday school, as we go out into the world. Let our face shine because we've been in your presence until we can come back together again. We ask you this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the whole church said with great excitement, How you doing? I'm doing good. Keep uh, me in your prayers. I've got to go on Thursday and have some repair to my arm. So keep me in your prayers. I will. Well. Uh, they can work on your knee too for me. No, I'm not going <laughs> <laughs> Oh Lord, I'm not looking forward to this. We don't know yet. I wanted to walk to a band for the men's walk in March, and Dr. Guerra was being involved in that. Oh, you're on the men's walk, aren't you? He wanted to do it this coming up Wednesday. We're well, on the men's walk. Oh, it ain't going to get no worse. <laughs> it hurts. I mean, it does. It really does. There we go. We got it. <laughs> Mine started about right to hurt the right hand side. And I'm fearful. Occasionally it kind of locks up on me. I'm fearful when I put my foot down. I may, I may not know the way to bike that. So I haven't had that problem yet. I won't tell out to Tammy. But it's just knowing that. My youngest son told me He's had to get up his motorcycle because of injuries to his back and neck. He had to get up and he's a disabled Okay. He's, he's, he's had to get up and neck up because he doesn't have the strength to hold the bike up. Correct. Hi, Julie. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Good. Hey, Mike. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Okay. I double checked too. I know you said you. I know. Somebody, somebody comes to me and said it needs to be at six thirty, and I just changed it. That's fine. I just yeah. wanted you to know, yeah. like where the oh, conflicting I, I, times. I, 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 I are figured. The time is I fixed it on there.
you're having a girl or a boy? We don't know yet. We still got. I hope it's a girl. Don't tell me that he's a boy. So bad. <laughs> oh, but I will tell you what. No, he's gonna love it no matter what. Oh, I know. He, he, he's just excited. I mean, I'm one of the boys. But everybody's single. <laughs> I'm, I'm, one of the, I'm one of the boys so bad too, but uh, I got him. And she was the biggest thing. The first child, he that would be the child for him. Yeah. <laughs> then she would, you know, would be the child. But that's we that's Tammy and I. Deep down, we just want to see. We can find out at our next appointment. But I told Leah, I said we're gonna keep keep that so because we want to do like a reveal for yeah. our family, and that's not as fun being like, here's my blood work results. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's more fun to have like a picture for the ultrasound. They have those places in town that do that now, so. I think we're going to wait and do a, a reveal for our family. But uh, we're excited for you, too. Tammy and I are praying for you. That's what we're praying for, a healthy baby. Yes. It's a good, healthy yes, yes, yes. My, my sister's in town, and they're leaving, so I'm going to go home to my mom's okay. house. Okay. Hey, with them. I'm leaving.